Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, Hockey World. It's Wednesday, December 21st, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast at HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time. To fill you in on the comings and goings, we have one more show we're going to do tomorrow on Thursday, and then we won't be here for Friday or Monday. We're going to take a four-day weekend. Um, so tomorrow we're going to have a little Christmas show, and I have some ideas. I was going to invite some some um, some guests, like some a bunch of different people, uh, and have have like a Christmas slash Hanukkah because Hanukkah starts on Christmas Eve night this year. It does, which is fun for everyone. And I will have some Hanukkah-based thing behind me tomorrow. I'm building it right now. Um, so uh, I've got a couple things, a couple ways to go. And I'm thinking, I was thinking of building a giant menorah for the front lawn out of broken hockey sticks. I thought that would be kind of cool. I like that. So I might be doing that. I could do a really big one. I have a lot of broken hockey sticks. So anyway, we'll see what happens there. But uh, let's get into let's get right into things today. And before we get into rumors, I do want to talk about more about the rumors I've been posting. I've been getting a lot of people who really seem to think that I'm absolutely 100% right about these rumors. So I'm going to talk about what they think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll get to that shortly. Um, I, we have to touch base on Mark Messier, who now, I mean, on Yager, who's now tied Mark Messier for second all-time in points and is convinced he's going to play till he's 50. I, by the way, I'm going to podcast on 50, just throwing that out there. Yeah, I'm way past that. I, I think he might. We'll see if he does. It'll be a matter of if teams want him at 50. Right. That's, that's really going to be the issue. He may want to play. He, they just may not want him. So we'll see. I covered the Mark Messier game where he, we tied Gordy Howe at the time, right? Right. And, and it was a pretty big deal, and, and he was you know talking about his little stint in the WHA and everything, and it was great. And – you know, it's interesting for Yager because Yager always seemed to be shooting for the best European player ever. Then after that, it doesn't seem like it matters as much to him anything else he does. He cares about Wayne Gretzky, but I don't think he cares a lot that he's passing Messier. Like, it just doesn't seem like it's that big a deal for him because he was always focused on the European trail rather than the overall. And so... I think it's an amazing accomplishment considering he missed years in the KHL. It's really cool, and and I'm happy for the guy. And he's really, you know, considering what he was like earlier in his career, being a little bit self-absorbed and such, he's really turned into a great guy and and still a really good player. Well, if his goal – if his goal – I mean – who knows how realistic it is, but if his goal is to play till age 50 and he's 44 right now, meaning six more years, then you got to think his goal is to beat Gretzky, that his goal is to be the number one of all time. Now, I don't know. He's I don't far know. off of Gretzky, though. He's still a lot. I mean. I, I, I'd have to look it up to see how many points he's behind him. But, you know, right now he's averaging around, I think, 50 to 55 points a year. If it's six more, if he's playing six more seasons, that's 300 points. I mean, how many, if you can pull up how many, how many points behind Gretzky he is, um, what I find interesting, though, and it was, uh, it, you know, we know the situation in Florida right now. We, you know, we don't know whether, you know, Yager is going to be part of that organization going forward because, 
I mean, there's been benefits to him being there, his influence on Barkov and Huberville. But there's a certain window, and then all of a sudden maybe they think they can grow without him, like like in Philadelphia. And the question is where he would go to have that same effect on another team. And, you know, you could say, and I know that uh, on Hockey Central this this afternoon, they were saying, well, you know, Vegas might be a possibility because he'd be a gated Well, that seems like a bad idea, but, you know. Yeah. But honestly, I, I think that another team, and, you know, I'm just right. – another team that m- might be a good fit would be Toronto because uh, if yeah. – you know, Yeah, and, he would, and he, would, he would help. I mean, what he does really well is is help young players. Um and and young stars and especially and teaching them how to be stars he no question is why Voracek at Giroux you know blossomed into what they are I mean they were going to be good players but he you know he he basically taught them how you have to play every shift you know like you have and, and Giroux says it many times you know like there were shifts he said in early in his career where gloves that I would take off and and Yager taught me how not to ever take off a shift which sounds simple and basic but it isn't you know it, it's really a, it's really mentally exhausting to do that to uh, to answer your question, he is still a thousand points behind Gretzky. Okay, then forget. It. Um, <laughs> all right, so not not happening. Um, well, he's for nine hundred and seventy to be exact. Yeah, yeah um, not, not happening. What if he got three points for every point thereafter right. from this point forward? Would he catch Gretzky? I mean, the difference between there was a great tweet put out by Butchergrass. Um, the career point separation between first and second is the same as the separation between second and a hundred and fourth. <laughs> so um yeah that he's not catching Gretzky. Yeah. Um, so he's he's as far he's gotten as far as he can. Basically he's 60 and not catch Gretzky. I mean he basic basically what he's trying to do is he's trying he's trying to create enough of a buffer between himself and the rest of the mortals because the immortal has has, has such a big lead. But, and, and, and also just the, just to throw in perspective, okay? The age that Gretzky was when he got his 1887th point. Okay. So Yager's 44. You know that. Guys, 1887th point played, uh, you know, and 44 years, 309 days old. So he's almost 485, right? Mark Messier was 43 years and 73 days old when he got his 1887th point. Gretzky was 28. 28. Wow. Okay. So he is, he was 16 years younger than Yager. But you you have to I mean you have to factor in he played in a completely different era. I'm not saying great. I mean, but there's only so much of that you can I mean Yeah, you can only factor in so much. And I would say this if he played in this era, he still would be better than Connor McDavid. He would be. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it, so. I really do. I, think I don't that. think there's any question about that. I mean, I think there. I mean, McDavid's a better skater than Gretzky ever was, but there's no. Yeah, but there's more to the game than skating, right? I mean, you know, to me, this that's always been the thing. Like Gretzky, and I've said this before about Gretzky to me is that players, you know, when they come into the league, you hear, you would always hear, he shoots like Gretzky, or he passes like Gretzky, or he sees the ice like Gretzky, or he leads like Gretzky. Um, but it was always like they would a player would have one of Gretzky's traits, right? You know, where Gretzky had them all, of course, because he was. Right. So the difference is, you know, that's that's kind of the staggering thing. Like, you know, McDavid skates like the wind, you know, better than anyone probably in the NHL, maybe you know, ever. But and 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 McDavid can do things at a higher speed, I think, than almost anybody we've ever seen. Yeah, but Gretzky knew where to go before anybody else knew where the puck was going, and that was the thing. He, you know, you watched him the way he, as a kid, was charting things on the television with his dad and. And, and that's something that it doesn't matter how fast you are, that still works. 
If yeah. you know where the puck is before everybody else, you have an edge, and he will always have. He would always have that edge, no matter what the year is. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know, I've talked about that charting story too, and I thought I love that too, and something that I just brought up the other night with my uh, soccer players. The whole idea yeah. of him, how he would um, have a have a draw a rank on a piece of paper and follow the puck the entire game with his finger. Yeah. Every time he watched a game on Hockey Night in Canada, to the point where he you know learned the the patterns and and where the puck's most likely to go, and that's that that's a huge thing to be able to do. I tried uh, to do that with the. Uh, with the intermission show with Hockey Night in Canada, and <laughs> I would always rip the paper on Don Cherry like it would just end there. <laughs> I mean, here, here's here's an indication: Gretzky's you know defining year, the 92 goal, 212 point year. Second in scoring that year was Mike Bossy. He had 64 goals. The difference between Bossy and Gretzky point wise was greater than the amount of goals that Bossy scored. It was 65. Points. That's why the era. Is only so you know. I mean, right. they both played and they were both playing at the same time. So it's like it's so hard to. It's really hard to throw that in there. But last, but last year, I mean, the leading scorer in the league, I, 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 if memory serves, Russ, I mean, it was barely over a hundred points, correct? And that, and before that, the year that Jamie Ben won, I think it was in the in the low nineties. Well, last year was yeah. I was gonna say last year nobody got a hundred. Wasn't it Jamie Ben last year? I thought. My yeah, life. it was Jamie Ben last year. Nobody got a hundred. He had like eighty-eight or ninety or something. Okay. Yeah, no, that's just, it's just crazy. I mean, and and I mean, it's an amazing record. But now he's second. He's second all time. You know, and that's there's nothing. There's no harm in that. I mean, it, and Yager's worked really hard, and he got there. I mean, it, it seems to me. Well, I mean, when you consider that Yager did play some years out of the league, right? That that does play into it too, because he played. He would have had more points. He was in his prime. A yeah. little bit, or I don't know what you would call Yager's prime, but he did spend some years in the KHL. I think his prime was in the in the mid to late nineties. I mean, when he won the two Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh, he was, I mean, he was a very good player. But the center, the central piece on that Penguins team was Lemieux, and he was young, and you know, he 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 was a good complement. But I don't think he became the star that he, you know, really became until yeah. like maybe Lemieux disappeared from the picture when he had, I think it was when he had. Uh, the the uh, Hodgkins Hodgkins and you know he you know 90 98 99 2000 and then right. when we came back on uh, that let's say he took a back seat but it was sort of like a one punch and then you know the Washington era I mean still putting up big points but things started that was when that you know that the the entitled Yager the Yager who was making the big money but didn't seem to be putting in all the effort and then his stint with the Rangers the same thing so Actually, Mike, we were both right. Kane had 106, but Ben did have 89. I was right about Ben, but it was the year before probably where you're right, where he led the league with so few. But here's how low the points were. I mean, Ben had 89, Crosby 85, then you had like 82, 82, 78, 78. Like it's a really low, probably the lowest total in, in forever. I mean, other than like going back 30 years or something. And, he, and here's, an, here's an indication of here's an indication of how the points scored were different in that era of 80, 81, 82, Wilf Pema, who was the number one right winger on the Maple Leafs in 1981, had 97 points. Yeah. Wow. That would lead the lead, you know, and Wolf, yeah. you know, Wolf Pema was a good player. He was not like a top, you know, all-star type of player. And he had almost a hundred points with a team that barely made the playoffs that year. Yeah, that is, I mean, there were, it was a crazy time. You know, there's no question about that. Things, things have changed a, a great deal. Um, but you know, I think it's, it's still, it's impressive and it's, 
you know, if he had played those other couple years, he might have two or 300 more points. I mean, depending on where he is. So he, then he could have had his, maybe a, a shot at Gretzky, but no matter how you slice it, it would have taken him 20 more years than Gretzky. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, there's a, hello. What's, Anna's <laughs> deciding what she is, likes the show. So she's watching. Excellent. Excellent. And awesome. we also, we also uh, have to give some acknowledgement to uh, Roberto Luongo, who tied yeah. uh, Terry Sawchuk with 447 career victories. Um, he will probably catch Curtis Joseph this year for fourth. Uh, Joseph had right. 454, and I think it's within reason he'll catch Eddie Belfour, who's at 484 probably next year. Then it's Patrick Waugh. I mean, that, the, right now he's almost he's over 100 wins ahead of him. That would be two or three more seasons. I still think Lundqvist has a chance to catch Brodeur. It's an outside chance, but it's a chance. Okay, Lundqvist has 389 currently, and he is, what, 31 years old? Yep. So, yeah, if he plays – yeah, if he plays another 10 years, he could. I mean, that's, what, 40 wins, 30, 35, yeah. or 40 wins? Although he could have had one last night if they would have – if the Rangers would have just handled the team. And this is where I will agree with Eck playing their best against the best team in the league. Who cares if you're in first place? You can't go with Auntie Ranta against the Pittsburgh Penguins and expect yeah. to win. I don't know what Vigneault was thinking in that. No, well, no, it's more than just expecting to win. It's also just that. I mean, there's, there's a, that's, a, that's a team that knocked you out of the playoffs last year. I mean, right. there's a lot more to that. Well, let me, let me, just, let me just ask something. You know, that it's a common thread between the three goalies we just discussed, uh, Curtis Joseph, uh, Luongo, and Lundqvist. None of them will want a Stanley Cup. Uh, if Luongo, you know, say he's second or third in all-time wins, like Cujo is fourth, and Cujo has not been inducted into the Hall of Fame, and there's some question of whether he – some people think that he doesn't deserve it. I mean, do you think that – I mean, if Lundquist doesn't win a Stanley Cup and Luongo doesn't win a Stanley Cup, did they not get in because they didn't win? There's a risk because the Hall of Fame has been extremely tough on goalies. Yeah. And – it does seem like all the goalies that have gotten voted in with have won a cup somewhere along the way. I'm yeah. trying to – yeah, because even Tony Esposito won one, right? Yeah. Right. And so it does seem like in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years when the grading seems to have gotten tougher that all of the goalies have at least a cup win. Well, I think Tony Esposito won as a backup in Montreal when he was still with Montreal. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, yeah. He didn't win in Chicago, but I think – Okay, he so it was a backup in Montreal. I was thinking it was one or the other. Okay. But, but, uh, but we're, you know, I mean, right now on the list, Verdur won cups. He's in. Ra, Balfour, uh, you know, Cujo is not in. Sawchuk is in. Luongo is still playing. Jacques Plant is in. Tony Esposito is in. Glenn Hall, he won with Detroit, I believe. And even Rogie won in Montreal. So Grant 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 Fear won. Chris Osgood is eleventh. He won two Stanley Cups and he is not in. So that's it. Chris Osgood has to get in before Curtis Joseph has a chance to get in. Osgood will never get in. Right, and that that's that's the thing. It's Mike Vernon. Mike Vernon will never get in. Yep. John. Yeah, it's it's true. I agree with them. I agree with both those. Even even at this point, it looks like Mike Richter won't get in, even though. There's other things outside the NHL that could possibly help push him, like the World Cup team. He's not getting in. Tom Barrasso. There's another one. He's not getting in. Not getting in, no way. <laughs> that, yeah, no, that's different. But I, but, but I think Richter's going to get in eventually. I don't know. I, I, I used to think that. I don't think it anymore. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. But 
It's a tough one. You know, it's really, I mean, you know, Kuro Luongo, I mean, Cujo also won a gold medal, right? He won a gold medal, but he was the backup. He was right. The backup. I mean, Luongo won in 2010. That, yeah, yeah but Richter has a gold medal too, like that. Right. It's not yeah. counting. That's and, what I'm and, saying. And he, has a, and he has a World Cup too. Right. But we're talking about Yeah. It does seem like the Stanley Cup for the goalie is your is your entry, your way in. And if not, not. And, and even if you win two, you and know. Richter has the Stanley Cup, but he still can't get it. Yeah, Richter's got, Richter's got one. Vernon's got two. Osgood's got two. Barrasso's got okay. two. So it's more than that. It's even more than that. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Wow, that's, yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, I do I, have some Nashville news for you, Eck. So, so when they beat the Flyers, I was in the locker room and spoke to Johansson and Ryan Ellis. I got the feeling, and I didn't get a chance to write about it, but I probably will write about it today, that that win against the Flyers sort of unlocked something for, for the Predators because it seemed like they were just struggling offensively for no reason. Like it almost was a little bit of coaching. I was talking to Pete Weber in between periods. We both felt like um, other players were playing out of position. Fiala could have been like on the first line. He should never be on like the third or fourth line. Right. And the power play, even though, you know, you're missing Subban, you still have Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi. It's not like you're, you're missing a lot. And yet they were still struggling woefully offensively, but they won in a shootout. And it just like, you should have seen Johansson how like he just seemed relieved completely relieved yeah. like this was like a big weight they were carrying on their back and I got a hold of Ellis before the media really swarmed around him because he had the winning shootout goal and and he really felt like this was something that was unlocking things for them and then they won 5-1 yesterday and so you know it's amazing how just if you if you are struggling how one win could get you that way but I will tell you this Peter Laviolette answered like two questions and left he does not like interviewing in Philadelphia okay. he can't when he's in Philadelphia, he can't leave quick enough. So strange, you know? really is. I mean, it, he did have a good experience in Philadelphia, you would think. I mean, it was, you know, everything. Well, I guess the way he was let go, he wasn't a fan of, you know. Yeah. Play, could you learn? But. Heck, I, did, I, did a little bit of, I did a little bit of research uh, yesterday after we, after we had our discussion regarding the Predators and, um, you know, the, the rumors that we were discussing yesterday. Mm-hmm. If, if they decide to go eight skaters – instead of the seven, three, and one. Right. Um, now, you know, a guy like Mike Ribeiro and a guy like Mike Fisher, they're both UFAs at the end of the year. They would, they could, if they go and protect their four core four defensemen, they could protect Forsberg, Neal, Craig Smith, and Johansson. Uh, the only one that they would, ri- they would risk losing a Colin Wilson or a Callie Yarncrock Instead of lo- in, instead of uh, if they go seven three and one, the risk of losing an, an Ellis or an Echo. Right. So the, there, I don't know if the motivation is there to trade one of those defensemen either before the expansion draft or before the deadline, just simply to protect those forwards because those yeah. forwards, I think, are replaceable. Well, but here's the thing. Okay, so I did have a long talk with Pete about Yarncroc, and yeah. he does get misused every year in, in Nashville because he's a guy that can fill every role. Yep. And when you're a guy that can fill every role, you generally don't get to do what you're best at. Yep. And I think that if they lose him, they're losing somebody very valuable. That's a player they don't want to really lose. help another team. 
Right. I agree with you 100%. But, but Colin Wilson's a different story. He is a different story. But there's a way to there's a way to protect those guys. I mean, you you know that there's going to be side deals here where teams are going to be saying, okay, if you don't, it's going to be hard to make though. I really do because uh, yes and no. I mean, especially especially if uh, somebody like George McPhee is getting a young player out of Nashville that you know they that he likes. Like, I mean, if they, if all of a sudden they say, okay, well, if you don't take Yarnacrock, you can have Hamanev. Who's exa- we'll trade you Hominem. Yeah, but they won't do that either. Well, no, but I'm I'm, I'm using him as an example. But I'm okay. saying if there's, a, if there's a young player there that they say, okay, we would rather give this guy up than give up uh, Yarncroke, then I then I think that that's a possibility. I the, the the thing is the premium on defensemen in the in the trade market. I mean, uh, if they trade an Ellis or if they trade an Ekholm, it's probably probably going to be for a forward, and that's a forward they're going to have to protect. So I don't know whether there's any real benefit to them going that way. So we'll we'll, we'll see. It's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean I. Both those guys, yeah, both those guys are tough guys to lose in a way. I mean, Colin Wilson has had just amazing playoffs for them and continues to do that. But at at the same time, you know, how long can you just be a playoff guy? You know, like it's crazy. It it is crazy. His his game in the playoffs. It's one of those things you have to wonder: is he just that good in the playoffs, or is he just not working hard in the regular season? You don't know which way it's going to go with him. Yeah, you don't. But like as an example, like Teravainen and for Carolina has got 15 points in 31 games. He's only 22. Right. Like that's a guy I'm sure Chicago really didn't want to have to get rid of. Right. And and I think Jan Kroc, same thing. I think he yeah. is a guy that playing with the right players in the right situation can produce a lot better. But since he can do everything, he sort of gets marginalized. You know what it kind of reminds me of is um, Simone Gagne early in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how Simone Gagne was in the state. The Flyers were doing the same thing with him early on. Like they were playing on, he was killing penalties. He was playing all over the place, and they never really let him just be a skilled scorer, which is what he was. Right. Yeah. But Gagne, was, Gagne was a first round pick. And a oh yeah, pick. I mean he's not saying he's. I, no, I no, I'm saying, saying the kind of thing. Just the it's, essence of him. Yeah. yeah. He, he seems like a skilled player at heart. Like he really does seem like a skilled player, and yet he does he does all the real all the you know little things very well, and that ends up putting him into a spot where they end up using him. In you know penalty kills or you know third fourth line duty and, and not teaming him with yeah you know, I'd like to see him play more with Forsberg I'd like to see him yep. more I mean I'd like to see what he can do and a couple times in the playoffs last year he did manage to score some pretty big goals for them and yeah I think he could be I think he could be a twenty goal scorer he had sixteen last year yeah. but with the role he has with Peter Laviolette it's impossible like he's got five goals he's yeah. better than that he's only yeah. twenty five years old too yeah I do I do agree and I I. I do think Laviolette really needed that win in Philly. Um, he did, you know, in a big way. Not, it, it's kind of plateaued for the Predators there. And Laviolette's history of was when he plateaus, it doesn't return to positive things. You know, usually plateaus for a while and then goes the opposite yeah. direction. So he needed that win big, and it's it's good. It, and they did have another really good win last night, like you said. So yeah. that's a big. It's a big. You know, a big thing last night. Some a lot of a lot of games last night. Obviously, <laughs> we can get into them. Um, uh, but the first, we have to start with the Blue Jackets because they have extended their winning streak now to 10 games, becoming the second team to win 10 games this year. Um, and I just there's been so much said about the Blue Jackets. We've talked about it. We've talked about Tortorella a little bit. Um, we're going to have a – I have a friend who's a really good Blue Jackets fan who's going to come on next week, a surprise guest. Oh, right. um, who is a, a relatively famous person who's going to come on, and uh, he uh, it'll be kind of fun to have him on. Um, but um, – 
the thing about the Blue Jackets is this. I, I just want to throw this out there for a second. Is their pick of Dubois suddenly looking very different for us? In what way? Like a great it, team like getting another great known that they were going to be the best team in the NHL <laughs> for a while. You know, I mean, they, they, you know, should they have Should they have still made that? You still think they made a mistake or do we still think? No, I never thought they made a mistake. No. Right. I think it's, it, I think it's still a great pick. I just think the, um, the way I was looking at it for them was you're going to have to spend time now turning him back into a center. Right. And that will just keep him away from the NHL for a year or two more. Because I felt like maybe they desperately needed a player at the NHL level. Now that right. everything's clicking, it's going to work out great for them because Dubois yeah. will be a world beater when he gets up there because he definitely can play center. It's just he wasn't going to be able to learn center at the NHL level. That's right. That's right. the issue. And, and he's played it before, so I think after this season – He'll be pretty close. How has he been this year? No, he's been really good. I think he's been really, really good. He's having a solid year. I'll look up his point total, but he um, – Well, I mean, and that's a, that's a funny thing, Russ, because, I mean, I had heard his – I mean, he got traded from Cape Breton to – was it Blanville? Yeah. Yeah, and he only had six goals in 20 games. Now, I don't know – I don't know because I don't follow Q at that much whether he was playing up the middle, you know, on, on the request of – Columbus to have him play up the middle, or if he was playing the wing, uh, he did make Team Canada for the World Junior, so he he's going to play the wing for them. So yeah. it does it does give them some flexibility, you know, if they want to use him at center, or if they think he will he will translate to being a center in the NHL. But the thing is, they could move, they could play him at the wing, let him gain some gain some experience, and then maybe move him to the move him to up the middle later on. But right now, I mean, with Wenberg, with Gagne, with Zubinski, they're not terrible up the middle. Looks like he has 18 points in his last in his 20 games. And so I think when you're learning, yeah, 18 points in 20 games, six goals. I think when you're learning the center position over again, that's fine. I yeah. think I, I have no problem with that point total. I'd rather, you know, I think by the end of the season, he'll end up a point a game anyhow. And I think that's all you're looking for. If he were a winger he would probably be two and a half points a game. But that is the difference of playing that position when you've been playing wing for a couple of years, going back to learn that position. And the, the one thing Jarmo Kekalainen is willing to do is wait. And it's really – it's served him well. I mean, I think where they got the big bonus this year was with Alexander Wenberg. He's leading the team in scoring, and and that's where they got the big jump. That's that's really one of Jarmo's best picks. And, and he won't say it's his pick. It's the scouts' picks, and it is. And that's really one of their um, the scouts' best picks in the last couple of years because yeah. he has just accelerated at a rate faster than even I thought he would accelerate at. Yeah, he's been phenomenal, and this his team is just you know yeah. proving everybody wrong. And you know you know you you think that they're going to get off to a hot start. Well, now they're even hotter than they were when they started. I mean, they're just they got off to a good start. Now they're even playing better. They're in a tough division. Um, they're it's almost in it's almost like they've put themselves in a playoff spot already which is really weird for them because that's a team that usually has to battle like hell to try to get towards the playoffs. Right. Um, you know, a very interesting thing about the Flyers um, and while we're at it with them, with, with their playoffs chances, because they're right on the bubble, you know, and they're going to be on the bubble all year. They're going to be oh, yeah. um, Same as last year. Yeah. The weird thing about them is that they have played so few games against Metro division teams. It's, it's right. an unbelievable thing. And that, that can play a fact. That's not a good thing for the Flyers because the Metro division is so solid. Um, and the Flyers have struggled against the Metro a little bit in the past couple of years. So the um, they really have to. This win streak was huge because they had to. They have to start piling up points before they have 
before they hit the meat of their schedule, which is coming um, you know, very the, soon now. The tough thing is, is they won 10, but they didn't gain the kind of ground you would think they need to gain. And that's why right. we kept saying on this show, and I kept telling people, it's a different year. Yeah. Even though they're playing better than last year, so is everybody else. So even that 10 games means if they really want to be a playoff team this year, they're going to have to win like 10 out of every 15 games. And really the team that they're going to be battling right now, if you look at the team that's going to, they're going to be battling, it's going to be, going to be Tampa. Which I'm is- going to call those hack stocks. They're little stocks that the Flyers can buy into the, into hack the, stocks. I like into that. the season. Like that. And, and every 10 out of 15, Mike, you could track this. Yeah. That's the hack stock that, that you're going to have, they're going to have to purchase if they want to make the playoffs. You got to get 10 out of 15. Well, well, I mean, I'm looking at looking at the standings right now. I mean, they have 42 points in 30 games, and Tampa Bay and Florida are the closest out outside of the playoffs at 35. So you could say, well, if you have a 10-game win streak, you should have a larger gap than that. But seven points is fairly significant. So I, I you know, yeah, but Tampa is Tampa is the worst team to be behind you. Yes, yeah, Tampa, Tampa, Tampa will get healthy. They are not healthy now, but they will well, get healthy when they get healthy. Right now, someone pointed this out that they the Lightning have almost they have twenty eight point three million dollars worth of injuries going on right now. Right, <laughs> and they've already and they've already put Stamkos on LTIR, so there's eight and a half million dollars that they can invest. Oh yeah, in. now they've got. I mean, Bishop, Callahan, Kucherov, Palat, and Stamkos are all hurt. So that's if you look at their line combinations. I mean, Corey Conacher is a regular now, as Mike predicted. Um, it's just, it's really crazy. To think there, you, that, you have to think there's going to come a push for Tampa. That Tampa's going to find a way to get in the playoffs. So then, then yes. who's out? You know, so at that point, who's out? And Ben and Ben Bishop got hurt last night. The, right. you know, the goalies are dropping like flies last night. Ben Bishop got hurt. Jimmy but Hopkins. we all think that Vasilevsky's the better guy, anyhow. So I don't think that's going to hurt him. Right. Well, it, it, I think it hurts them in the sense that when they do rest uh, Vasilevsky, if this is a serious injury, they have to go to Goodlevskis. Yeah, Goodlevskis isn't bad though; he really he isn't. isn't bad. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I would yeah. if, I, if I'm going to take a battle of the of the backups, I'll take Ben Bishop over. Oh, sure, sure. All right, let's go to some rumors before we get out of here today. Um, okay, so uh, Kadri, we talked about this yesterday. It came yeah, let's get Russ's idea. Let's get Russ's. Came to me yesterday that the Calgary Flames are very interested in Nazem Kadri, and and it made some sense. And then on a couple of different levels, obviously Brian Burke drafted Nazem Kadri, right? Um, and then the other thing that I was told was that Brian Burke and company out there love the way Kadri plays against McDavid. So bringing him out there to Calgary to mm-hmm. have to face McDavid for the next, you know, who knows, decade or what have you, right? Um, is is something that's really appealing to them, and it. So there, there's some sense. Now, what we heard was the Leafs weren't totally opposed to this, but wanted Dougie Hamilton in return. So that comes out to an interesting trade. It's more than you would think they would get for Kadri on some levels, but then Kadri has picked it up this year. So I'm thinking, all right, you got to give me a minute because that's a heavy one. Yeah. Here, here's, here's, the, here's the contract, uh, the, the, the particular. Yeah. Kadri's got another five seasons at four point five million with a with a modified no trade clause. Dougie Hamilton has another four years at five point seven five million. It's, it's not that big a deal either way. Both deals are affordable. You know, if if I'm Calgary, I can see making that deal because of the McDavid factor. Like, yeah, that does make. And, and that's overriding the points that Kadri will bring to my team 
Right. But that is a big factor. Like they will have to face him. What do you face a team? 12 times a year, 16 times, something like that. Well, five <laughs> times in, inside your own division, five, five or four or five times. It used to be eight. Now it's four or five. Oh, eight was the number I was thinking in my head. Right. So, well, eight times. All right. So is but it worth the playoffs, it? Playoffs, there's a good chance you play but in the playoffs too. Because it's, that. Down, it's down to four or five now. So, so, so it's down to five. So I'm, I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah. But when we get to 30, this is the other thing though. But when, when we get to 32 teams, we're going to have divisional playoffs. That's what's going to happen. We're going to have first place, four, second place, third. So you're going to have, and that, that's coming in the next year or two. So that that has to be taken into account. Well, you really you really have it now. You really have it now. It's only you it's only have it now. Yeah, I, have it now. I forgot yeah. it was down that low though. Yeah, I don't know if it's down that low. I think what? I think you know the, the, the thing, and this is again. I, I looked at this last night. Is that you know you look at Calgary right now, and they've got Goudreau and Monahan making over six million dollars, and then you've got that mid level of of Brower. Yeah. And Froelich making over four, Michael Backlund making three point five. You know that that I mean that to me, and they're probably going to have to pay Sam Bennett around that much when they negotiate his new deal. So they probably have to get rid of one of those guys in a trade to sort of clear room for a guy like Kadri. If they're spending another four point five million, yeah, Kadri is cheaper than Hamilton. So right, but but they have to replace Hamilton. That's the thing. And no, then, I know. And replacing defensemen is expensive. I mean, if, the, if they're going to pay the price to get Kadri and to give up Hamilton to get Kadri, they're going to have to find an avenue out there to find a defenseman to replace Hamilton, and that'll be more expensive. Unless and then, they have somebody that they think is coming up, you know, unless they have well, a guy. Shillington was the guy that we were – Yeah, Shillington's good. He's not going to be an offensive replacement, but he is a great puck mover and a really good defenseman. I think they could still make the deal and survive. I do. I think that's a pretty good deal for them. They'll save a little bit. Shillington will probably get accelerated. Mm-hmm. I, I think if they pick up another free agent defenseman, somebody like you know a bottom-pairing guy that is a veteran, I think they can get by with that because you do have to build up the Sam Bennett line, and, and maybe that's the way you start to build a, a, a really solid line with Sam Bennett because if Bennett did play with somebody that, that had a little bit more grease in him like Kadri, he probably could get more points. And right. it's it's always been my calculation, Russ, that Kadri was signed. First, he was signed to that deal because the deal was was uh, a good money deal, you know, a good value. Right. They got the extension; it was yeah. under five million dollars. But my my calculation has always been that Kadri was there only for Babcock to coach him up to make him a more valuable commodity to put all that off the ice stuff that happened a couple of years right. ago in the rearview mirror, which they have, and which they. Have and the attitude stuff, and now that they've shown him as a potential shutdown center or at least an irritant up the middle, I, I think his value. I think right now his value is at its absolute highest. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I I think I would make the deal. I do because they also have Jankowski coming up at center. Like they could start to really have a much better offensive team, and because even their offense still stinks. Let's face it; it's not good. Yeah, and Hamilton, you know, should have been drafted by them anyway, right? <laughs> the from the Castle deal, yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, that's pretty funny. I mean, I think I, 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 it was an interesting rumor. I'm saying it's still very – it's got serious legs, as I wrote today in my blog. Um, and there's – Toronto at this point is asking for Hamilton. What I was told is that, that Calgary is not moving Hamilton right now. But that's that's where it's at. Now, whether or not it gets, you know, to, the, to another player, like you talked about yesterday – 
Mike, I don't know. Like, but oh, I, yeah, like a TJ Brody, which. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're moving Brody. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know Brody's having a, a tough year, but I, I, I don't think you can move TJ Brody. I think, I think you know what you have in him, and sometimes guys had down years. That is the way it is. Right. On the rumor chart, I also added today Marc-Andre Fleury to the chart. Um, and um, I, I was trying to hold him off. I really was because I, I don't – my belief is that Pittsburgh is going to run the run this out. But I had to add him out because I heard a very interesting one that had Arizona making a big play for him. And, you know, it does make some sense uh, with what Arizona has and where they're trying to go. And, and what I've heard, which is that they really want to have a solid veteran goalie to help build that team like that that's something that they feel like they they need and they felt like they were at their best when you know mike smith was there and was doing a good job for them and playing really well you know and they think mark andre fleury could be that guy well i mean that's the thing i mean and, and he's had some bad games especially that game in pittsburgh or a few a few weeks ago mm. but actually mike smith i mean i saw him play against the leafs and he played pretty pretty good um, I mean, the problem here is if they go after Flurry, and Flurry has another couple years at five million dollars, Mike Smith's just as expensive, more expensive, unless they're prepared right. to have a situation like Dallas, where they're paying two goalies over five million bucks. Or unless they know they can, unless they know they they, they can move Smith somehow, which is possible. Yeah, I mean, if, if right, but as we said yesterday, I, I don't move, think you can move him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think very move movable him. either. But I think I think what this could come down to is a, a situation of okay. If they take both Flurry and Smith, going and maybe they lose one to Vegas. You know, like maybe there's something. If you know, if you've got both of those goalies, it's possible that you lose one too. So, depending on what the goalie is, you know, we don't know what Vegas is looking at. But Mark Andre Flurry has been, you know, the rumor if I, guy. If I'm George, if I'm George McPhee and I have a choice between taking Mike Smith or Louis Domingue, I take Louis Domingue because he's the younger goalie and he's cheaper. But if you have Mark Andre Flurry too in that mix, you take Mark Andre Flurry. Well, they'd probably protect Flurry then. If they trade for him, they're probably protecting him. Unless they are thinking in terms of, you know, like you're saying, maybe they think Mike Smith's okay. Um, and maybe they're looking at, you know, remember what Arizona has done here. They've made a couple trades that have been very strategic trades, you know, and, and they the did it with that suit. And they, yeah, right. So maybe this is, the, this, is, this is the place where Pittsburgh feels like they can put him. You know, who knows? Like we've talked about, there's – there are going to be trades and deals that happen, so maybe they feel like they can put him there and protect him there, or they feel like they can they can get something for him, and and you know, the, and the Coyotes want to protect somebody else, so they're going to they leave him exposed. It's possible. There's a lot of different op- there's a lot, a lot of different options, but it does sound like of all the Flurry rumors that I've heard, and there've been so many Flurry rumors, this is the, this has the most legitimacy to it. So I'm, I I don't know quite the extent of. Of, of the bat, well, we're just, we're trying to just speculate on the reasoning for it. Well, the the the, the interest the interesting thing thing here is is if Flurry agrees to be traded, he waives his no move clause. Right. He could just agree to move, waive his no move clause before the exp- expansion draft to allow Pittsburgh to protect Matt Murray. Then they, he could stay in Pittsburgh the rest of the year and then be picked up by Vegas if that's the end goal. If he wants to play someplace else where he can be the number one and have a chance to win, then that I mean, then that's different. Then, then but again, what if what if the contract isn't right and he's not going to go? They might have to move Matt Murray. Right, and the, and and that that's that's the thing that nobody and that might happen like at the last minute. Right, that's the thing that nobody is talking about here, because 
I mean, everybody. Yeah, no, I know. I, I think there's, you know, I, I really think that Rutherford's going to figure out a way to not do that. That's the point. Well, That's, the thing is, it's, it's going to be hard. He can, he, I mean, if Flurry is intent on staying in Pittsburgh, he can mm-hmm. stick it to the Penguins organization. I got the no move clause. I'm not accepting a trade. Na, 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 na. Right. And if he does well, that. Well, his agent is Alan Walsh, we know, right? So um, <laughs> this is going to be fun from that perspective in and of itself, right? But it is a possibility, and I'm sure Rutherford knows it's a possibility, and the players still love Fleury. So, look, would they miss Matt Murray? Sure, but they'd have Marc-Andre Fleury. They love him too. And so it's possible they might have to move Matt Murray. It is. It is possible. It is possible. I just I feel as if, though, even though his agent is is who he is, even though I, I, I get the sense that if Fleury was told that he's not going to be the guy who's going to play his games. I don't, that's just, that's the, I think that's why people aren't talking about this. I think people really, because he's the kind of guy who doesn't seem like he would play that kind of a game. I mean, we'll see, you know, going back to Calgary for one sec, I wanted to look it up. So Sam Bennett last year was 46% face-offs this year, 44%. He's a young guy, but you know, at the end of the day, if they got Kadri, I'd rather see him on the wing. And that was what I was getting at with that. And I think that's where it does make sense too, because Kadri's a lot better on face-offs than Bennett. Yeah, yeah. Kadri, Kadri for them would be the perfect number two center yeah. behind behind Monahan. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah, and then and Jankowski would be their number three at some point. Yeah. And it would make the Battle of Alberta so much fun. Really. Yeah. I mean, it would really it would just take it another level. It would remind me of like Joel Otto back in the you know how Joel Otto gave yeah gave, gave Helen and Gretzky and Messier for all those years. It was great. It's just great fun. You have to have that kind of thing. I have. I have a feeling by the end of the pl- uh, pl- a potential playoff series between Calgary and Edmonton that Milan Lucic would be on uh, up under on secondary homicide charges. Oh yeah, no, he would. I mean, Kadri is such an annoyance to people, and that it's exactly you know, and you know, Burke would love nothing more than to annoy the hell out of Edmonton. This oh sure, that would be great, right in his wheelhouse, you know. So if he can find a way to do it, you know, he's gonna, you know, he's trying. I mean, I'd I, love to see it happen. Yeah, it would be something. It really would. Be I think my cat Anna loves you. I appreciate it. I love Anna as well. She's looking right at you right now. <laughs> Hello. All right. So um, we will be back again tomorrow. It's all the time we have for today. Uh, remember to stay tuned to this channel tomorrow. You don't have to stay the entire time. You can just come back or flow before one o'clock if you want. Um, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you then. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.